Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. We are back this week, a little later in the week, because Monday was Labor Day. Um, I was out of town, but the Indians have still been in action. Carson, how was your Labor Day weekend? Um, the weekend itself was pretty great. I got to enjoy some college football. I, myself, am a Notre Dame fan, so watching them beat Michigan, I'm sure that's pretty relatable for our Ohio listeners, but uh, that was enjoyable. And then the actual Labor Day itself, I was a bit under the weather, so... It's good to be back now, like, try to stay on a consistent basis here, and I I realize this is only episode three, but getting consistent is a key thing. Yeah, episode three, a little late, but holiday weekend, I don't imagine everyone um, on Monday was maybe too keen on checking out a podcast, and the Indians that day had kind of a dud game, so it was almost better to pass that over, but last episode, we ended talking about how we were excited about potential waiver trades potential roster call-ups we've seen both we didn't get the andrew mccutcheon trade we were thinking about but we got josh donaldson what was your kind of initial reaction when you heard they got donaldson so i'll be honest like during when that trade happened it was during the game and i was actually in the middle of a fantasy football draft so this all kind of hit me at once because i was watching the rays and indians game at that time and that was the game that we actually won so then we'd get donaldson and then i had a good draft so i was under just a wave of emotions at that point but after kind of like settling in and seeing how the trade was going to pan out, it does really like pose a lot of interesting questions because I love Jason Kipnis and he's been playing really great right now. But I mean, what do we do with him? That's the weird thing about this trade, or at least the reaction to it, because there's people who hate Jason Kipnis. A lot of the kind of Brian Shaw level hate that's moved on the Cody Allen also clings to Kipnis. But there's also people, including some writers on our site, I'm kind of in the middle, um, people who love Kipnis, think that he should be out there starting every single day. But, I mean, with Donaldson, at least in the postseason, it doesn't seem like Kipnis is going to be in the starting infield. Probably be back in the outfield like he was last year. But And it, it, even if he's a starter in the outfield, is a question now, too, because Greg Allen's out there playing some pretty good defense, and I wouldn't say his offense is the most productive thing, but neither is Kipnis, although Kipnis has been playing very well recently. But uh, it's, it's not consistency is not Kipnis's forte. It hasn't been in the last two years. It's interesting, too, because think to last year with Giovanni Urshela out there, reasonably for defense, but then you had Jason Kipnis in center field, who was a defensive downgrade. So this year you look at it, and it's like, what's the philosophy? But I know one potential option, at least during the rest of the regular season, to test things out um, is keeping just keeping Kipnis at second and maybe platooning 
Donaldson at first for a little bit with Alonzo. And by the time this goes up, episode goes up, we should have an article up on that on the site about that. But there's just so many possibilities. But ultimately, the only way Kipnis is going to be starting in the postseason, postseason is in the outfield. And I, I, I'm not sure how that fits. And I know the uh, reaction to that question would be very polarizing. Yeah, and I wouldn't say that Yonder Alonso has consistency as his strong suit either. But Jason Kipnis, as of right now, like since the trade actually happened, he's batting 316 with seven RBIs. So he's, you could tell he's definitely playing with a chip on his shoulder. And in that span, Yonder Alonso is batting 176. So it's not like he's been a shining star of late. And he hasn't exactly been a model of consistency. And we've seen uh, Encarnacion start to play more and more first base as the season goes along, just to kind of give Yonder some rest. But I still don't think it warrants starting Josh Donaldson at first base when his natural position is third base and Jose Ramirez is still an effective second baseman as we saw last year I think the biggest question to me would be are you willing to sacrifice possibly more offensive production from Jason Kipnis in the outfield are you going to sacrifice that for Greg Allen's defensive production that he has out there because Greg Allen is obviously a better center fielder and he's faster and he's going to be able to catch fly balls better than Jason Kipnis would the way I see it maybe logically playing out is Kipnis gets a start game one in the outfield, but he'll be on a short leash, short leash defensively and potentially may come out late in games. But then you think, well, if I view Gray Allen as worse on offense and I'm putting him in for defense late, then I'm, what if he has to come up and has a big at bat on offense? So it's this weird trade-off. You almost have to look at the player as a whole. You can't do that kind of, all right, we'll play Kipnis for seven innings and then take him out. It's like, if you view his defense as that bad and that unreliable, you might as well have Greg Allen out there. And kind of the one play that really sticks in my mind from last year um, from the ALDS was Kipnis, kind of caught a fly ball flat-footed in center field, runner tagged up, scored easily. I can't. I don't know if that was the one nothing game. I can't remember, but it was just a simple play that pretty much any other natural center fielder probably would have made. And you just hate to see runs being given away on defense like that. But, I mean, that's just one play. It could happen to any outfielder. But it's just an example that really sticks in my mind. Yeah. I think another thing that you could look at to take away from this is that um, Yandy Diaz also comes into a factor because he's been playing some pretty good ball. And now is he going to start at third base at any point in the postseason? Will he be on the postseason roster as kind of a platoon guy? And then the fact, because correct me if I'm wrong, Kipnis' contract is up at the end of this year, right? Now, Kipnis has one more year, actually. He does? Okay. Donaldson uh, over $15 million. Dollars. Okay. So, Donaldson, yes, is on the, is, was on a one-year deal and has made nearly a uh, half million dollars per game he's played. So this is, like as we've talked about it multiple times, probably like a Jay Bruce kind of situation where he's oh, yeah. really just here for the postseason. There's no reason to extend him for next year especially at his age and with his injury history of late but now like you're starting to look at this is kind of a glimpse of the future especially with Yandy Diaz where is Jose Ramirez going to move to second base once Donaldson and Kipnis move on and Yandy Diaz begins his major league time at third base I think that's what everyone wants not everyone but a lot of fans want it just seems obvious to have Diaz at third Ramirez at second um, it, hopefully as soon as next year, but, you know, with Kipnis having that big deal, it's kind of hard to move him. A lot of fans say, oh, well, you know, just trade him. Like, this isn't a video game. Yeah, you can't was, just I mean, shift $15 million dollar contracts. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know with Yandy Diaz because it seems like he should be out there. 
on a normal basis, but you're likely going to have the Kipnis in center field situation all postseason. And with Donaldson being here now, you have to think you have to carry at least a few. You think Rajay Davis and Greg Allen will both make the postseason roster. There might not even be room for him, even though he's one of the better options, at least on offense. I think it's a glimpse of towards next year that we're looking at with Yanni Diaz. Because I think next year at that point, there really is no good argument to keep him off the roster, especially if he continues down his path. I mean, we're just now starting to see his true slugging potential. His, his slugging has gone up to, uh, I want to say, 470 now in the big leagues, which is pretty good by his standards considering he just hit his first big league home run uh, the other day. So he's he's playing better now, and I want to see that that slugging kind of go up and start he start to become the big hitter that he was meant to be, especially with those massive arms that he has. But I I don't think it warrants, like even if he's not like 100% there at that point, He's batting so well that it doesn't warrant taking him off the roster. Yeah, it's it's weird, especially with Kipnis, because based on just everyone else who was on the roster, it's almost like he's getting playing time just because he's a veteran. Um, I know also his money is there, but at least there has to be some point where you're like, we really have to win a World Series. We can't just keep... I mean, that's always the goal, but you don't want to sacrifice someone like Yandu as seems like more talent at least right now at this point in time is on the up Kipnis might be he's doing a little better recently but not all season I don't know honestly I mean the way the Indians history has worked like there's and back in the 90s and even like in the last more recent years they've gone in the playoffs on so many different stretches whether it's a hot streak or never really finding their rhythm so it's not like there's a perfect formula for them to use when it comes to going into the playoffs and getting to the World Series but you'd like to see them use their better player. I mean, obviously you want to use your best players if you're going to try and get to the World Series. And right now, it seems like Yanni Diaz is the best option on the roster. And even over, like, I don't want to say over Josh Donaldson, but we haven't seen Josh Donaldson yet, and we haven't seen him for much of the year since May. And even in that span, he wasn't doing that great. So, I mean, he has obviously looked good in the minor leagues. But I, just, I don't even think, like, when he comes back fully healthy, if he's going to be an everyday starter. Yeah, that's kind of the benefit, too, of him coming in September is that the roster is expanded. So maybe he starts once every few days just to see what he can do. I mean, if they clinch a division next week, they're not. it doesn't look like they're catching the Astros. Or the, unless, I mean, if the A's shoot up, they're not going to catch one of those two teams. So you're pretty much just playing for practice and just consistency right now. So, I, I mean, hopefully Yandy and Donaldson both make the roster. And I'm assuming one of them could serve as a pinch hitter. My main thing with Francona's decisions sometimes is it's almost like he's overthinking it. Like he's like, I need the perfect option out there. Assuming that the backups, like say he puts Donaldson over Yandy and Yandy's playing better. It's like, well, Yandy doesn't have playoff experience or enough playoff experience. It's like, well, I mean, it's not like he's going to boot every single ground ball to him due to nerves or anything. Yeah. No, it's an, um, I, and he's had, like, I wouldn't say, like, the big pressure experience, but he was a part of the team for a good part of last year, especially when he was there with, through the struggles. And he's been here for now two months this year. So he's, I, I mean, he's definitely, like, a part of the flow of things now, although he hasn't really, like, seen the big moment yet. I want to see how he performs there, and Josh Donaldson has seen the big moment. So he's obviously, like, a keen, more keen to the pressure. But it's, I'm not saying that Tito should def- should change the lineup drastically in the playoffs because we saw that he changed the rotation drastically in the playoffs last year, and we saw how that panned out. 
but I do think that overthinking it could play into a loss in these series. And speaking of the playoffs, like I want to get your opinion on how like we're probably going to play the Astros at this point, and I'm going to say that they're going to use a four-man rotation because they have the pitchers for that. Do you think the Indians will use a four-man rotation? Yeah, I, this idea was brought or brought up to me at least. Was listening to local radio here in Cleveland with Adam the Bull, uh, ninety-two-three the fan, and he went all out. And he's a Cubs fan too, so, but he does still provide good Indians takes. And was saying that the three-man rotation last year was like the dumbest movies ever seen. They should have gone four-man rotation with Clevenger, and this year with Bauer coming off the DL, we don't know when. I mean, I'm sure he's going to be pitching in the playoffs. He might actually fight Terry Francona if he didn't let him pitch. Um, you can't have him going on short rest at all coming off the DL. So I think it you have to have a four-man rotation because then, say you end up in a game five, you have several guys fresh who can come out of the bullpen. Um, I know it's tricky, though, if you're down 2-1, stuff like that. But, I mean, at that point, I mean, wouldn't you rather have Corey Kluber on three games rest in a game five as opposed to the short rest he had last year? Yeah, I mean, I that's what I'm I'm kind of getting at is I'd rather ha- I guess I'd rather have the three studs ready for game five as opposed to short rest game four, short rest game five. But I mean, this is assuming it gets that far. That's a tricky thing. It's well, who's going to start game four? Well, they got to get to game four. I mean, hopefully they sweep and they don't get that far. But, yeah, I, I do think that Clevenger should be out there for a game four regardless of the series lead or deficit. And that game would also be – that'd be a home game, right? Because they do 2-2-1. Two, two, game three and four would be a home run. Yeah. yeah. So it might be a little easier on someone like Clevenger. Yeah, I I definitely agree there. I think um, – and that to the point of Clevenger, Clevenger has been red hot recently. He's uh, – He's definitely made a turnaround, and he gets a lot of flack that I think is unwarranted because he got a lot of flack for his uh, bad month of July that he had there where the Indians just kept losing all of his starts. I guess he, he – I don't know if he changed something recently, but his ERA dropped down to two in the month of uh, August, and now he's made two starts where he has a sub-one ERA. I think so he gets flack because the other three guys in front of him are so good, yeah. like counting Bauer, that he gives up like four or five runs, and some people might freak out, but it's like a normal start. I mean, he's got he's got 27 strikeouts now in his last three starts. I mean, he's if he starts to rack up those strikeouts, then that's a dangerous thing because Clevenger's biggest problem that he's had all year was a lack of command. He hasn't really been able to find the strike zone, and now that he is finding that strike zone, that makes him a much more dangerous pitcher. And I think this is like the perfect time for him to find it. And if he continues down this stretch all the way through September, I think you have to make him a four part of a four man rotation in the playoffs, and it just makes sense. Yeah, he's easily could be a number two or three starter on a lot of teams. Heck, he could be a number one guy on some teams. So it just wouldn't make sense to keep him in the bullpen when he's so used to being a starter. It's just completely different. I mean, you do it out of necessity, but you don't want to see him shift into the bullpen. Plus, I don't know how many spots are going to be in the bullpen either. So, But then again, I guess if they carried four starters, he, he'd be on there anyway. I mean, I think it was a bit of a wasted opportunity last year with him. It was He came out of the bullpen once in the entire series against the Yankees. It just, and he was great last year. He was even going into the playoffs. Like he was arguably better at that span last year than he has been for some spans in this year. So I think that Clevenger was a bit underutilized in last year's rotation. And to your point of the bullpen possibly being shorter, I mean, you're likely going to have either Bieber or Plutko in the bullpen when it comes to the playoffs, which is uh, another question I actually had for you. 
because if and when Trevor Bauer makes his return soon, which of those two starters do you think will remain as the uh, the fifth starter in the rotation for the rest of the year? Oh, I think Bieber definitely. Um, just more upside, and I mean, I think. Well, I'm, I keep forgetting that it goes back to a twenty-five man roster, but I think once Bauer returns, if he does soon enough, they might even go to a six-man rotation, considering that the division's going to be wrapped up hopefully by then. So it won't really matter. Give everyone a little more rest heading into the postseason. But yeah, I think Bieber is going to be the guy um, that's high, higher up in the depth chart and would be the first option to go into the bullpen. Although Plutko does have some bullpen experience. Yeah, I will say that. And the, I'm looking at their numbers of late. Plutko is actually, um, and this is a consistency thing that I noticed when I was writing the uh, preview today. So Shane Bieber, for his middle innings, he has a sub-1 ERA. His biggest issue has been allowing runs early and allowing runs rate, late. Whereas Plutko has kind of had like a three ERA, like around that number all the way up until the fifth and sixth inning. And at that point, he just gets rocked. So both guys have had some serious trouble when it comes to going through the rotation a third time. And I get that Tito's kind of keeping them out there to keep the bullpen arms a little more fresh with the playoffs around the corner. But it has kind of cost them some wins, and I feel like it's cost uh, Bieber and Plutko a bit of confidence. As a quick side note, when I looked up Shane Bieber, just to make everyone feel old, he was born in 1995. So I'm actually older than him, which doesn't happen a lot with Indians players, but yeah, that's just a, a quick uh, he's aside. He's a year older than me. And we're talking about if he should be pitching in Yeah, <laughs> in We're World talking about series. him as if, like, as if he's, he's basically a classmate of ours. Yeah, that's ridiculous. I have kids in my classes who could not be in the majors. But to his point, I'm just looking at his numbers, too. Well, actually, a side point – him or Plutko are not going to start in the postseason. No, no, I mean, we know a... that. But back to kind of with Clevenger, it's almost better to have him just show up as the fourth starter because even if he, if any of the starters struggle, they're going to get yanked right away. And one of the relievers is going to come in. I mean, you have Miller, Allen, Hand, and Simber all ready to go pretty much whenever needed because it's the postseason. And all so, over Perez. You're not yeah. sleeping all over Perez. If you had Bauer or Kluber start on short rest in a game four and they come out and start walking guys and struggling a little bit, they're going to be gone anyway. So you might as well have Clevenger, who's not as good as either of those two, but is pretty close and is still capable of handling himself in a postseason game. It's not like this is a regular season game where, oh, well, he's struggling. He can still go six or seven innings. It's whoever's struggling is going to get yanked right away. Yeah, I could agree with that. I think with how deep the Indians' bullpen is starting to look, that it's worth it. <clears throat> Especially now, like, this has only been one outing, but Adam Simber in his last start where he uh, his big key is keeping the ball down low, if he does a good job of that, he can easily be a, like a, he can give you a full inning, which we haven't really seen from him all year. And the same thing with Oliver Perez, which I think that Cheeto is doing. We haven't really seen him work a full inning yet. I mean, we did whenever um, we didn't have Brad Hand and Andrew Miller was hurt. But now that we have those guys, like we really haven't seen, I think the full potential of Oliver Perez yet. Which is, I think he's can, he has the capability of being a full inning guy. I don't think he should be used just as a utility guy, and that gives like the Indians a chance to use Adam Simber for one inning and then Oliver Perez for one inning and Shane Bieber or Adam Plutko if they need them for multiple innings. So I think they have enough depth to the point where they don't need a full like like as you said like if someone struggles get him out of there. Like we have the depth enough to go that we can use some of these other relievers and it's nice some guys are stepping up because there's still so many questions 
surrounding Andrew Miller. And I think a lot of us Indians fans get caught up in just thinking that the 2016 postseason with him is normal. That was more of an anomaly and something really baseball hasn't seen for a long time. Someone coming out and going two innings. I mean, until the end of the World Series, he was lights out. But, I mean, he had to be so fatigued at that point that he was just yeah. doing anything and he could. And that's something, but, to your point, like that's that, just the, the bullpen itself. Like with the depth of the bullpen, we don't need to use Andrew Miller every game like we did in 2016. I think that's part of what causes his fatigue. Like if we have the guys like Brad Hand that can go out there then you can rotate Andrew Miller to a three-day or two-day basis as opposed to going out there every single day in relief. And that postseason came with an injured Carrasco, if I'm correct, and then, yeah, then Bauer Yeah, injured, injured Carrasco, Bauer had a juicy finger. Yeah. And don't forget Coco Chris. Oh, missed that guy. Arguably the worst roster of the past three years, and they went to the World Series and almost won it. So yeah. kind of shows how things go. Carlos Carrasco and Danny Salazar. So what was... Was that Andrew? It was Corey Kluber, Mike Clevenger. The starters were like Kluber, Tomlin. Tomlin, and Bauer. The game Bauer but was Bauer hurt. They had a bullpen yeah. game. I'm missing, we're missing somebody. Well, that was a rotation because they only played three against the Red Sox. Then they played five against the Blue Jays. I'm pretty sure it was just a three-man thing. It could yeah, be wrong, I, there's a, there's a name, and he was a pitcher last year. But Salazar was in the bullpen, I believe. I, 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 that's another question I had for you that I've really been thinking about, is both Cody Anderson, Cody Anderson and Danny Salazar. Are we ever going to see them pitch for the Indians again? I'd say Anderson, maybe. I don't know about Salazar, though. Oh, I know who we're forgetting. Ryan Merritt. That's exactly who it was. Yeah, he played the a couple games last year. The spot start in Indians history. I'm like, who? Fun that was fact, game five, f- wasn't it? Yeah, from that ALCS, Brian Shaw was 2-0. So, for all the haters out there. <laughs> how, about he's not looking wins very good too. this year in Colorado, though. But yeah, oh, of course, how could we forget Ryan Merritt? But yeah, that just kind of shows how they were like, crap, we need someone to start. Now we actually have a situation where there's five or six guys who could legitimately start, and it's almost a good problem to have of let's try to narrow it down. I want to talk to, just kind of shifting a bit, I'm going to get back to this. You're going to be at the games in Tampa Bay, correct? Next yes, week? two games. Can you give... I've been to the Trop once, but it was about 10 years ago. Maybe for other Indians fans going, what's your opinion of the Trop? Is it as bad as everyone thinks? I remember walking outside to get up to my seats. Kind of weird, but... Now, forgive me for... Um, I will use a couple uh, analogies here for you, but... If you like uh, guacamole, then you're in for a real treat because the outfield pattern is not the pretty stripes that you see in Cleveland. It looks like a big bowl of guacamole just sitting out there in the outfield. It's atrocious. Um, If you're a fan of medieval times, then it's another great venue for you to go visit because the stadium itself is just a giant dungeon. So I've been to the Trop a lot. Like I, I live very close to Tampa, so this is... Most of the time I go when the Indians come down every year, and I try to go to a couple other games sporadically. So I've, I have I kind of am used to the experience at this point. I will say tailgating there is kind of fun because you have some pretty good parking spots, and there's a place across the street that is fantastic to pregame at. But the stadium itself, and for any fans who will be going to this game or who go to the Trop in the future, it's only going to be there for a couple more years. Now They're, they're starting that new stadium in Ybor, and that's going to be a beaut from what I've seen in the, the cartoon pictures, but... Anything is better than the Trop at this point. I will say, however, if you go to this game, Cuban burgers, and it's a Cuban sandwich that is famous in Florida, 
with just a hamburger right in the middle of it. Arguably one of the best things I've ever eaten at a baseball game. My one experience at the Trap, uh, a train concert was post-game. Uh, this was back when train was still more relevant about 10 years ago. And it was packed. Like It was nearly a sellout, but no one was there for the game. They were there for the train concert. And well, we were there for the game. 10 years ago, this was, this was their World Series year. Two thousand eight. Well, actually, I might have been there in two. My friend moved to Florida when I was in high school, so we went down to visit him. It might have been after that, but I still have my David Price player tee. I still wear. Try to wear a throwback vintage player tee. I still have a David Price bobblehead from there. But yeah, so I mean, I, I know a lot of people kind of talk crap on the on the stadium. I can. I mean, you gave a good example, and I can just say from being there once, it's not nice <laughs> at all. It's like a warehouse where they play baseball, but you I walk think, up outside stairs to get to your inside. Yeah, that's seat. what I was saying. You're and you're in the baking sun, walking, and then you're inside in the concourse, and it's just like dark walls. Yeah, um, I will say like the environment of the stadium, like when the Red Sox come to town or the Yankees, like you get a lot of Red Sox and Yankees fans there, <clears throat> and it kind of makes for a more fun experience because the stadium does fill up a bit, and you get like a good baseball experience. But, like, I went there when they were playing the Rangers this year, and it was like going to a funeral. I mean, it was just atrocious. Yeah. They w- I will say, like, for accommodations, like, they have some pretty, like, they have a beer stand for $5 beer. It's called Not Your Dad's Beer, and it's got, like, Old Milwaukee and Rolling Rock. So that's kind of a nice touch to it, and the food there is great. But as a baseball atmosphere, it's just not the best place to go. Yeah, when it's rocking in the postseason, or at least I remember, remember, like, in – Seven, eight years ago, it was like the last day of the season and like four or five playoff spots were all decided at once. I think the Rays clinched that day um, against a Yankees team that was like kind of trying to lose. It was the same day the Red Sox lost to like the 90-some loss Orioles. Was that the year that we that we lost them in the wild card? I don't know. 2013. No, I, this, I do remember that. This was, that was farther like, back okay. than that, I'm pretty sure, but... Yeah, just seeing Tropicana Field when it's packed is fun. But unfortunately, like you said, it's a lot of packed on Red Sox games or Yankees games. But I the good news is... Arguably the worst stadium in baseball. Oh, yeah. The Indians can... Let's think they have four against the Blue Jays. And and their magic number was nine after it's yesterday. It's eight now. It's eight now. Because the Twins lost. And this is at the time of recording on Thursday, so... After tonight, it could go down even further. So you could be there for an Indians division clinching game in Tampa Bay. I'm actually going to be there on Monday and Wednesday, so I'm going to miss Tuesday, which could potentially be Josh Donaldson's first start for the Indians. So if I miss that, I'll be rather disappointed. So if I miss Josh Donaldson's first start and a chance for the Indians to clinch on Tuesday, I'll be very upset. So I have a two out of three chance of seeing them clinch in Tampa Bay. And also the projected starters for these games are Corey Kluber, on Monday and um, Wednesday is Carlos Carrasco. So I'll be able to see two of those games, hopefully. I, it's interesting with Donaldson because I believe that Jay Bruce's Indians debut is in Tampa Bay. So Josh Donaldson's right. can be in Tampa Bay, too. So it's kind of like the place for new Indians to break mm-hmm. out against. A, I mean, a Rays team system. that's doing well. They're just in the division with the Red Sox and Yankees. So Yeah, that's another point I wanted to make. And on, to, on that, I do, I do believe I saw uh, something that says Josh Donaldson may not start in Tampa Bay due to the turf there. And like, They don't want to risk him making his first start on that weird turf in Tampa. But um, that was another point I was going to make on there is, like, it seems like Tampa Bay is, like, and this is the old montage, it's it's not who you play, it's when you play him. 
and that was the same case with Kansas City. Like Kansas City was playing their best baseball that they played all year when we just played them, and now Tampa Bay is doing the same kind of thing. And this is like a question that's kind of do you, like if they if they continue to make this hot play and they're not going to make the playoffs, I don't think they think they're too far behind the A's to really catch up. Do you think this starter system that they're using, like of the opener system, as opposed to like using an actual starter in the game? Do you think that's going to stick around for a while? Do you think it's going to catch on to other teams? I think they might keep doing it. I saw an article I liked where it was like, this is an effective system, but it's not for me. I'm kind of in that boat. Where, And I also don't know if it's sustainable because um, you really do need like a lights-out guy opening up the game. I mean, you don't want to have like a reliever go out there and get rocked. Yeah. And and then you just have to use your bullpen the rest of the game. But do they bring a starter in in like the third inning? I think I know in their depth chart at one point they only had one starter, and it was on ESPN, and it was like a kind of a joke tweet going around. It's like oh, rough days for the Tampa Bay starters. But I mean, the original question, I think they might keep doing it. I just don't know if it will continue because I mean, starting pitchers are still such a hot commodity and making so much money. I think people would rather have an ace, but they're such a small market team. It's almost a cost-saving measure. Yeah, because they, they they actually have a Sayo contender in Blake Snell right now, and mm-hmm. this I mean I think he's gonna be. I think I don't think they're gonna like do away with that and do away with him because he's there for a while. But I just I, I think it's an f- effective system for them to try out, and it's I guess it's a good thing for baseball to kind of see and see how it works. I will say though, I'm sure Rob Manfred hates it because it does slow down the pace of a game, considering just keep making pitching change and pitching change and pitching change. So. I guess it's kind of them against the NLB, seeing how like they want to do it their way, but you're slowing down the pace of the game, which is what baseball is against. So it's an interesting thing to keep an eye on. I personally would hate it if the Indians did it, but it's it's fun to watch for another team. Yeah, I think the way for it to catch on would have to be if a team did it and then just dominated and had like a historically low pitcher ERA and just made the playoffs. But I think maybe a team like the Rays doing it if they finish kind of middle of the pack, other teams will acknowledge it. I'm sure all the other GMs know about it and are interested in it, but they're like, look, this system for us has been working. We're doing well with our starters. And I mean, you get into a situation, imagine if the Royals were doing this system, they would like run out of pitchers. They're so bad. Yes, that's true. And so, I mean, you need to have someone who, I mean, the system, the pitchers treat every out as like the most important out of the game. So, I mean, it's just a, a lot of stress in that and i mean if you have an injury or two or like your top guy goes down the whole system like you don't want i don't know like at the beginning of the season just some of the bullpen guys the indians had you don't want them starting games and just a lot of high leverage work i think uh, a part of it could be like maybe it's just working for them because they don't really have any stress because like they know they're not really going to make yeah. the playoffs and they're just kind of playing free-flowing baseball and uh, just to kind of wrap things up here, you said you were also going to a game uh, after the Indians come back, so we're kind of competing here to see who gets to see the Indians clinch on their uh, here in our upcoming games. Yeah, mine's going to be fun. I'm actually, thanks to writing for the site, um, going to be doing the Tribe Live experience. So I did it last year, and I got the stand. Um, a lot, of, it's open every off season, so Indians fans can keep out for it. But I mean, if you're just on Twitter and you're an Indians fan. You just apply, which is just signing up, and you get a game. Uh, last year, I got to stand in the front row of the standing room only by the foul pole in right field. This year, the first three innings get to go field level to the right field where they have like a f- uh, fence that's up against the wall. 
Okay. So I'll spend three innings down there, maybe heckle some players. And then the last six innings are just in regular seats on the first baseline. But so next Friday, I'll be tweeting um, from the Believe in Ball account using the hashtag tribe live. Maybe they'll retweet one or two. That could be some good pub for the site. So, but yeah, if, if they clinch then or even before, they're going to be coming back. They'll have a ceremony and stuff. So, yeah, we will be competing. I'm hoping it happens at home. But then again, that means they'd have to have a really bad week. Uh, so that might not be as exciting. They would have to pretty much, the with the way the Twins are playing, they'd have to lose every game. Which, don't count them out of doing that. Yeah. Um, so, I guess that kind of wraps it up then. I'll be sure to look out for you there in the uh, the right field wall. What game What game is that? It's Friday, next Friday, uh, the 14th. I, I don't know why I can't remember who they're playing. The White Sox, maybe? I'm so, with, <laughs> with them... Um, I think it might be. It's it's my dad's birthday, so I, I don't even think of the opponent. This has been such a year-long plan um, and just so happened that it could come when they clinch the division. So, But, yeah, I'll be, if there's any balls up against the fence, you'll see me standing there looking like a goober. You, you are a big lanyard when you do tribe live, so you oh, clearly yeah. stand out from everyone. It looks professional, at least. Yeah, I was walking around like Wayne's World last year, flashing at everyone's face. So, <laughs> All righty. Well... I guess that about does it then. It's, uh, that went pretty fast. There was some good talk about the Rays. Got to roast them a little bit. <laughs> I always have to bring up the Rays and the Trop just to uh, rub it in there. I mean, there's not really many fans in Tampa. That's my last roast from that. But we'll be back next week, maybe not Monday or Tuesday, a little busy here with both of us being in school. Mm-hmm. Um, college of I'd course look forward, i'd look forward around like uh, wednesday or thursday because i will be at actually at the game oh in, yeah in tampa like with my family for uh monday tuesday wednesday so I'll probably look at look for it around the same time next week and they're off thursday so yeah, and i'll be at the game That'll friday work. so it could be a perfect time but yeah we can wrap it up uh can't wait to hear about the games at the trop and hopefully Absolutely. by next week they will have clinched a division maybe i'll try something different right? they have like a chicken and waffle uh, ice cream cone thing that i might try out so I will keep you posted on that, and uh, make sure you subscribe, leave a review if you haven't already. Let us know that we're handsome, and uh, stay on top of that. Keep those ratings going up. All right. Thank you for listening. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.